The left wing backs coverage of the Carlo Football Championships is brought to you in association with Talba Fitness Carlo, Connolly's Top Line Bagnestown, Scats Bouncing Castles, J&J Services Tullow, Seamus Burn Electrical, your number one for pitch floodlighting installation, Milano's Takeaway Bagnestown, PFT Travel, the Arboretum Garden Centre, Ray Whelan Limited, Art Spas and Carlo Electrical Services. Yes, hello and welcome along to the latest offering here on the left wing back. First round action took place at the weekend, got off to a bang and with me today to discuss all the action, different talking points, is Mr Mick Keogh. How are you getting on sir? Good Kevin and yourself? Ah sure, flying it. Listen, thanks thanks for coming on. I know uh, I know that this isn't really your thing and you've said it several times. We managed to twist your arm and we're delighted to have you, so thanks for doing that. No problem. Well, listen, we, we sent you out and about at the weekend, um, and we'll come to those games in, in a few moments' time. A few general points, I think, first, make that yeah. I'd like to have a little chat about. And the most noteworthy thing, um, and I don't like to be comparing football to Hurling, because in many ways it is apples to oranges, um, but there's a notable difference in in the structure. So, obviously, we've got five rounds of senior hurling, as you all know. We go into semi-finals and into finals. And many people feel that, you know, in the last round of the senior hurling championship, in the group stages, into the semi-finals, that's when it kind of comes to life. And I was left, personally, a little bit disappointed by how the championship fizzled out. But come Thursday and come Friday, you could just see the little bit of extra bite, I felt, in the games, in the sense that teams have to go for it. You know, there is the three games in the group. There is the head-to-head um, which comes in around three, and that can be the drawback of the whole thing, of course. But by and large, a championship for me is when teams go out and have to go for it. There's something at stake. There's no shadow boxing. There's no... I'm not going to say there's no targeting of games, because you probably will still have a little bit of that. But it had that feel for me, Mick, that probably the Harland didn't have. Now, I'd just like to know the games that you were at then at the weekend mightn't have always had the highest of quality, and those were the, the double headers on Saturday and Sunday in Netwatch Cullen Park. But is there any merit in that, do you think? And did you get that similar kind of vibe, given the fact that you had an involvement, I suppose, with Ballon Killen as well and saw it from the, the hurling side? Okay, well, in relation to the difference between the hurling and football, uh, in terms of the, the importance or the bite in those championship matches, what I would have really realised from Ballon Killen this year is that I think really once Ballon Killen had gotten the win over Michael, they would have felt quite confident of making a semi-final kind of irrespective of the results then against Rangers and St Mullins and that's not that's not kind of disrespecting any other team or it's not being defeatist with those two big teams but with the four positions available let's say Nave Breed were are, are still in a bit of transition really from where they used to be and they're in the senior championship but they're finding it difficult so once Ballon got that win over Michael uh, you're more or less fairly confident of making a semi-final Obviously, the football is very different. Um, you really have to hit the ground running. Uh, it, there's no guarantees of, of making a semi-final at all. Like, I mean, it, it's, it's the top two going through the semi-finals and the others in quarters. The other thing is, if you don't get a great start, Kevin, if you don't get a great start in, as one of your three matches, it really piles the pressure on on match two and especially match three, and you could really be fighting for your life. 
So there's that. There's, there's definitely an added urgency in the football championship. Yeah, and I mean, you're pretty well placed, Mick, not just with your involvement in ball and killing this year, but also the last few years before that with St. Patrick. So, like, you get that whole... You get that whole comparison and you understand it from from both sides. My own feel would be like whenever I was going to play say, a game or whatever, you know, you need that little bit of... When you remove the safety net, it brings out the best in people. And the more games that you have where that's the situation, I mean, it might not always lead to the best quality, but you're going to get that little it's bit jeopardy. of urgency. Yeah, yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, you have to have an element of jeopardy. It's, it's, it's when you have jeopardy is when it brings pressure, it brings uh, an imperative. Like, what's the old saying that if, if you can't lose, you can't win? Ever heard that one? So, but it's true, like, so if, 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 if there is a danger of, like, listen, if we don't get a good result here, if we don't put up some sort of showing, it, it, it could really spiral out of control for us to get into a tailspin. And a couple of times there in, in recent past there with, with St. Patrick's, as you mentioned, it, it, you go out and suffer a loss the first day, it can really, really pile the pressure on for, for, for game two and game three, you know? And, and, and like the last thing you want is to be going into the, to the third group game. Number one, like really needing a win to, to, to get into the quarter final or the semi final is one thing. To be avoiding relegation, like it can happen like that, you know? Yeah. Absolutely. We see it year on year where a team is in a final, the Cubian relegation final the next year. It just, it lends itself to that. And um, yeah, down through the years, I've occasionally been critical of the structure when it comes to round three. And God knows it probably happened this year. But I'm all forward at round one and round two for sure. And yeah. I think we've got some, you know, we've got some cracking games to to talk about. I'm a big fan of the Intermediate Championship in Carlo. Um I just think year on year, like what I just kind of touched on there, you don't know what's going to happen. I think the quality has improved significantly like i did not foresee a situation that the right where st patrick's were going to steamroll navon i've got to be honest i was, I was quite disappointed what i saw from navon um i think i i wouldn't think they'd allow that to happen a second time or, or a third time but they were poor now on the flip side of that i was really impressed with holomick um Obviously, you laid down some solid foundations there and made the progress. You could see, you could see how well they're they're coached. You could see the bit of purpose they had. To be honest with you, I I was trying to find out there. I think Will Dorn is still running from that game the other night. He never stops. He's, he's going in the sixty-first minute the same as he's going in the first. And I think he's in around the same age as me. I don't know how he's doing it, but they have a number of guys that are are talented footballers. They've got the pace. They've got a little bit of know-how. And I think they're ready to make a step this year. Obviously, you've seen a lot of those guys up close. Yeah. Um, look, at the, the first game, we'll see how they perform the second game now. And that's true of both St. Patrick's and Michel. I would also believe that Michel are more than capable of, 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 of picking up their performances and could have a big say in the championship yet for after being in the last two finals. Mm. Um, from a Tullow perspective, from a St. Patrick's perspective, yeah, they have a lot of good players. And like they're a really great bunch of lads. And... Uh, forget forget my role in it there. Alan Costello's come in there now. He's new and fresh and very experienced. I, we did a good handover there. It's a good conversation, sharing of uh, information and bits and pieces like that. But there's also great continuity there with the like of Sham Comerford and uh, Niall Gorman as well. Really capable guys. Tom Abbey is there as a continuous uh, feature as well as a kit man. John Kenny is 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 another kind of ever present on that. So that's, they've probably gotten that balance right between freshening it up, which was important, very important, but there's also continuity for players as well. 
The other thing is, and like this is true, I think this relates to Clonmore. Uh, there, there's, there's youth, there's young fellas coming through, and like a young guy coming through with lots of energy and, and, and impetus and freshness, he revitalizes a guy in his 30s. So when you mentioned Will Dorn, a fabulous guy, fabulous player, and a really, really superb athlete. Um, but he's going to be freshened up by the like of Keane Gorman Comerford coming at age and Cahill Healy coming at age, you know. So it's a rising tide lifts all boats there. And, and I think those two teams, Clanmore and uh, St. Patrick's, will have a big say in things yet, you know. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, look, those those names you, you put out there um, were definitely impressive. I think the second game, obviously, as a contest on Thursday night was... Uh, was a lot it was a lot closer. It was interesting. Like I was looking at Kieran Pender and it was great to see him back and, and in, in good shape. He looks so dangerous in there. I mean, a genius of a footballer. Always Absolutely, was. yeah. Always yeah. was, you know. And the early stages indicated that, wow, this guy's gonna put on a clinic. But then obviously Clomore are very well coached, as we know. We we've remarked upon it several times over last year. I think in some of those games last year, the way they were playing both will say from a championship point of view and practice match point of view, they wouldn't have been far off winning the media that I would have felt. Just mm. they were they were so on it like and after that early setback and that little adjustment, they really came to grips with things. They got seven in a row, you know, shock put over some magnificent points. Uh Luke Connolly put over a great one as well. And that little ingredient that you spoke about there with the youth, like the pace, you know, that's that's what that's what I have always been really impressed with them. Uh, for now, in the second half, I will say Grange came. Grange came back into it. So it was a seven-two, and then they went a little bit further behind, and there was a response. All of a sudden, Alan Fleming comes in, gets a goal. Things get a little bit hairy, uh, get a little bit tough and physical as well. Maybe Clamore get get drawn into that a little bit too much and forget what they're about, and it gets really tricky coming down the home stretch where a high ball comes in. John Murphy gets a face to it. I'm convinced. There's a little divot in that goal out up on uh, what do you call it on the blue side. <laughs> I'm nearly certain it hit. Like it, it arches up like that towards the goal. Was it? I'm nearly certain it hit that and came back out. Otherwise, we're looking at possibly something different. And then in a mad sequence of events, Clumore get a penalty, which they missed down the far side. So look, maybe you're looking at the point of view. Both of those go in. It's the same result. But I don't know if that had gone in from John Murphy. Would Grange allow the ball to get down the far side when you have that bit of momentum? So no, but 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 and these are the things that when you're at games or when you're getting the type of feedback that you're able to offer here it's that insight into the impact of particular incidents uh, like, uh, uh, on any on any day and especially with the senior one i know you'll be coming to uh, there was a particular score in the senior championship over the weekend that was definitely worth more than one point we'll be coming to that i'm sure but yeah. look the impact of guys like john murphy huge big physical man uh vastly experienced like you, you, you can't relax against these guys you know and in relation to the intermediate championship and, and the way that it runs in comparison to the um senior you will get more mistakes you will get more turnovers it won't necessarily be quite as structured or quite it won't be executed maybe quite as well and and mistakes happen like games games are decided on things like that you know so mm. it'll happen again yeah, and I was going to ask you that question from an entertainment value point of view. I'd argue that intermediate can be um, that bit more enjoyable than senior, possibly for some of those reasons that, that you offered up. And with that, obviously, comes a lot of quality too. But, you know, a lot of people would have said over the last few years that the senior championship has produced boring games. Maybe you caught one or two of those the weekend, which we which you will come to. But 
it's not it's, a, it's not a bad segue, I suppose, to go into the one I saw on, on Friday, Bynastown and Fenna. Now, what I didn't put in the article was that Bynastown were without uh, Jamie Clark and Darren Nolan, who would be two huge players. Massive, massive players. Um, and then, I suppose, on the other side, I think Jack Tracy might even on holidays. Craig Wall hasn't done a whole lot of training. So, obviously, mm. that explains why he was on the line or whatever. It was um, it was an enjoyable game. There was a big talking point with an incident between Sean Murphy and Paddy McDonnell. Uh, I have looked at the clip about 50 times. I've changed my mind a few different times on it. And I've never before really seen a situation where it's either a straight red or it's not a foul. Hmm. It's essentially what it has um, what it has become. Um, and I still, I still don't really know. I mean, all I can say is from James Foley's point of view, he's got a different angle than the camera. Near enough the same angle probably that I saw initially. And I thought, James, I, I think he's got that right. And then if you look at on the far side, sometimes hey. you're thinking he's caught him on the head. It's fucking so hard because you have a split second, like, you know. I think it's also important. Uh, the referee doesn't have 50 replays of it to go back. You're making a snap decision. And by the way, look, yeah. if, if it goes for you, great, and goes against you, you're not happy. But... It's very difficult. There, there's, there's one particular thing I need to say in relation to the... I wasn't at the game, no. I didn't see that game. I know the results, and I know that you know it was 2-10 to 10. Is that correct? Correct, correct. Um, look, number one, uh, it's, it's one of the best and worst things about it. I mean, where you've got the familiarity there between uh, Bagginless Town Gales and the Fenner lads, and you've got that both in football and in hurling with Ballon Killen. Like that, that old familiarity really breeds a rivalry. And, and, of course, that rivalry breeds massive intensity and commitment. So it can easily happen that things maybe, I don't want to say spill over, but they, they can really get physical, it can get tough. The other thing in relation to the two guys you mentioned, like you're talking you're talking two, two different sizes of men. You're talking about two very good athletes. But I have seen it firsthand with Sean Murphy that he is just so immensely powerful, right? If, if he got something even marginally wrong, marginally late, it, it, it there's a big impact he is just so powerful you know mm. but don't get me wrong i know at times he has deserved red cards there's, there's no question i didn't see this instant but i have definitely seen it before and that he is just so powerful it can look sometimes like it's overly aggressive or or, or he's gone too far it isn't always the case yeah yeah no, i get that 100 um paddy mack got up somehow anyway and and, and played on he's a great bit of stuff super player super he's a great player. bit of stuff and, I think Liam is his younger brother. Um, he was, in my eyes, second best player on the pitch after Sean Murphy. Like, Bynastown was set up with Sean Wall and Shane Clark dropping back and that defensive shell, whatever you, you want to call it. And, you know, it was difficult for Fennett to break them down. But, like, Sean Murphy just went straight down the barrel of the gun the whole time. And they, they had to foul him most of the time. He got a couple of scores. That's um, he's enormously powerful. Ah, sure, look, he's, he's outrageous. But young Ling McDonald, for a guy 17 or 18 years of age, coming up from cornerback, I don't know what you'll make, but you'll be always saying to that, finish out the run. If you're committing to a run coming up from that position in particular, and you don't get it on the first play in around the middle third, finish it out. Because the ball can be delivered in, you can get the pass off there, or if it goes through the hands, you're still on the receiving end of it. Well, you, know. you had an example of that with, with Cottle Kelly in the Aerogo-Lockland game. I mean, if you had got, I'm not a betting man, but if you had odds on Cottle Kelly scoring a goal in the county grounds, you would have got long odds. But that's mm -hmm. because he, he, he went, he was up in that area of the field, he was being progressive, and he made sure he was in the place then to take that ball off the post. I know you want to come back to that. But as regards Liam McDonald, I, 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 I don't know Liam as well now. I know Paddy would have been involved in a little bit through cold squads and things like that. 
lovely fella, really, really good player, and a really superb athlete. Like he, he has, he has all the physical qualities you'd want now. He's a really good bit of stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. And look, we know we know what Bidenstone have there in terms of caliber and quality. Like Jack McCullough is one of those talents as well. You know, Jack probably not always consistent, and maybe that's a. Maybe that's a little bit of a slight, but in terms of talent, I mean that chap has it all hurling out football. He's yeah, very I, careful, you know. When I when I think of Jack McCullough, I often think of Fiacre Fitzpatrick there because they're similar age, they're both really good dual players, they're both powerful, they're both physical, and like like they're they're young guys. Jack is twenty one, I think, is he? A Fiacre twenty one. Yeah. yeah. So like they're from from the Bagginstown Gales point of view, those lads are exciting for them because they like they really can progress. And if they if those guys are able to have a career similar to someone like Alfie Corcoran, like you know they're they're going to be a real threat now for a long time. Yeah, for sure, for sure. So look, we'll rock on. I'm not forgetting Junior A games, which will come to in a moment. But I want to go to Netwatch Cullen Park, um, say Saturday evening. You, you touched on O'Loughlin Air Rogue, and like let's face it, O'Loughlin haven't been given a prayer. In this year's championship which is a little bit disingenuous um they've got some really really good players you know they've got three really good county players there they've yeah. got another couple that are capable of playing county or have played county already yeah it's not a surprise to me to see how from the outside in i haven't seen the game to see how close they got to getting the result i still do think they might get a result in this group but what was what was the game like to look at mick um, it was a strange game. I mean, I think I think O'Loughlin went a couple of points up early on, um, and they actually could have had another one. There was a there was a fairly straightforward free missed. No, I'm not going to talk about missing frees. I missed more than my fair share myself. But um, like they really could have had an, an extra couple of scores on the board. The the goal really energised their rogue, and it was a little bit lucky. I'd have to say it was a, a long enough range effort. I believe came back down off the post, and it fell to Carl Kelly. Now Carl is a really superb player. Uh, huge time for him, but you wouldn't be backing him to score goals. Aero mm -hmm. then, like Aero, certainly looked like a team that, that were were trying to find form. They were, had some poor wides, and um, they kicked some unbelievably good scores. But then they would they follow it up with two or three wides. Um, I think a player like Dara O'Brien encapsulates it fairly well. Like Dara is one of the most consistent footballers in the county for for years now. And he actually, he scored one really, really good point from a tight angle. But he had, I think he was blown for overcarrying. I think he was blown for touching the ball on the ground. And that's not to single out Dara. It's just to say that Aero were struggling to find form. But they, they sort of crept into a, a five-point lead at halftime, I think. They tagged on one more after halftime, I think, to go six up, right? And you really were thinking, oh, Lachlan are going to need goals here to get back into this. And just like that, they got two. Um, Aaron Ammond was really, really instrumental now. I think he got both of them, and one of them now, he won it, he dispossessed, turned it over in his own half-back line. Uh, I think he had been moved to centre-back at that point. He certainly was at some stage. But he, he covered the length of the field, uh, layoff here and there, got it back and finished it well. I think the problem, I think the, the, the thing that really shows the difference between O'Loughlin and Airog on the day. Like, uh, Airog are able to bring in a guy like Cormac Mullins, vastly experienced. He wasn't on the field a minute or two, he'd scored a point, loads of possession, laid on a goal for Sean Gannon. Whereas O'Loughlin are really looking for the maximum from the guys you've mentioned. Mm -hmm. Mikey Bambrick, Shawnee Bambrick, Aaron Ammond, 
they're looking to get big performances then out of like a Ty Roach and Nile Roach. Now, Ty Roach is a player of huge potential. Ty really has everything, I think, to be a superb player. Um, Jordan Kelly is there at the back for them as well. But And by the way, they got a really good tune out of their midfield. Oh, Lachlan were well organised. Their kick-out strategy was fairly inventive. Um, they were able to go along to Shane Dooley and to Ian Atkinson. And they're really good ball winners. Um, a rogue, on the other hand, because they didn't have, uh, like uh, I think, um, uh, they had Murta Ware on the line, but he wasn't used. They had Kyle O'Byrne was there, but wasn't hugged out. I think he might be struggling with some little bit of a niggle. So because of that, they went short almost exclusively. And O'Loughlin were able to put a little bit of pressure on it there as well. But the big difference between the teams is the strength of the bench and the kind of spread of scorers they can get. They got a goal from Cahill Kelly, as I mentioned. They got a really good finish and a good goal from uh, Benny Kavanagh. So they were able to get a spread of scores. Um, Colm Hulton scored. Uh, Cormac Mullins, as I mentioned. Um, Adam McCarran kicked a couple as well. They were able to get a spread, you know. Yeah. If if I'm right on this, I think nine different scorers out of 11. For, um, for a role. Yeah. Yeah, 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 I don't have that detail, but I, that would make sense. That would sound right. That's uh, that's impressive, you know. It is, and again, it just shows, like I'll put it to this way, someone like Ross Dunphy wasn't at his best for Airog, right? Now, again, on his day, he's one of the best in the county. But when he wasn't able, when he wasn't at his usual level of performance, they can just to take him out, which they did. And like they're able to bring in, I won't necessarily say like for like, but they're able to bring in real quality there. And again, the regular bring in youth. They brought in Mark Bean. They started young Brady. I think it was Josh Brady started the game. Um, Owen Byrne started the game. You know, these are all, again, young players. And, and those guys freshen up the like of Sean Gannon and Benny Cavanagh, these fellas, you know? Yeah, and there's, um, there's a few guys last year that, although it wasn't their best year, they still benefit with a year of senior football under their belt. And that, you know, has an effect. In yeah, and, treat, you know, and, uh, yeah, we're not even talking about the Lake of Shane Buggy, who's who's an established mm. county man at this stage. You know, like, I, we're not even mentioning him. Um, a rogue, like a rogue, weren't vintage, right? They weren't, and I think it was two eight three eight in the end. Is I, I think that's the score. But a rogue have loads of improvement in them yet as well. Like we mentioned about Michael in the intermediate championship, as do O'Loughlin. O'Loughlin are well organised. They're fairly inventive off restarts. Um, you know, they do have a number of threats. I mean, you have Seamus Kinster there, we haven't mentioned. He's still capable of kicking a score. But they do need a lot from their big guys. They need a lot from Mikey Bambrick, from Aaron Ammon, from Shawnee Bambrick, the fellas we mentioned, Niall Roach, Ty Roach. They really need, need those guys to fire to get a win. Mm-hmm. Rafili Pal. So, Rafili, 2.10, Pal, 8 points. Liam Gavin on his debut, 2.7. Now, I was thinking Liam McDonald has been one of the best debuts I've seen for a defender. But ah, that's red of, hot. In terms of um, a debut for an attacker, 2.7 is pretty sweet. 2.3 from play? Yeah, like, I, I, I listen, if you have 2.7 after your name, I don't care if they hit you on the head, bounced over the bar. Like, I mean, if you're amassing 2.7, that's a massive score. Like, what, uh, 13 points, right? That's that's huge. In actual fact, 13, I think Liam Gavin scored on his own more, more than was the score of, uh, of, yeah. of of some combined scores in games. The only, thing, the only caveat I'd offer there is, with maybe five minutes to go, it was very little in it. It was 10-8. And um, at that stage, I think Conor Lawler had hit the post with one that could have gone over. 
Um, Brian McMahon was black carded at a really sort of inopportune time for uh, Palatine. Um, Radville had their own black card earlier in the game, Ryan Sibbles, but it was in the first half, it, 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 it didn't have the, the big impact I think that the later ones did. So, fair play to Radville, uh, they deserved their win, I think they were better. If there was one kind of concern for Radville, I'd say, I think they only had three scores. So, obviously, Liam Gavin shot the lights out, 2-7 is phenomenal scoring. But if, if Liam was to have an off day or, or, or just didn't click, yeah, where are the scores coming from? I think the other scores were, were Brendan Murphy with uh, an unbelievable score, if I remember, and Brian Murphy, I think. Mm-hmm. So, look, all management will be looking at it going, we have a win on the board. And if, 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 you're, if you're getting a win and you're delighted with Liam Gavin scoring, the other side of your mind is going, Jesus, I, I'd like a better spread of scores. Do you know, mm-hmm. from the Aero perspective, we, we had a great spread of scores. But it'd be hard to pick out a player that you'd say really excelled or was at the top of his game and was more workmanlike. So it's all about the next game and just trying to work on the things that you think are a problem as opposed to packing yourself on the back for things that went well. Yeah, for sure. There's one incident in that game, Mick, that has caused a bit of debate and that's Conor Doherty. Now, I have managed to get a clip, not of the actual incident happening, but of him getting up and coming off the field. And all I could say is it was worrying to see what he was like coming off the field but even more worrying to hear that that he came back on now you were you were at the game do you have a mm. picture of you on that um i i was at the game and uh it, w- it was a really heavy hit and to be honest with you uh, um n- not dirty at all i don't think there was any malice in it i wouldn't uh, it was ed finnegan caught him with his shoulder Connor doherty had been mentioned like what did what you mentioned earlier he was coming out from the full back line had given off a pass and was going to take a return. So he had all eyes on the ball. And it was just one of those things where he was really reaching for the ball and Ed Finnegan could line him up. There's also a little bit of a size mismatch there as well. Ed is mm. big man, very solid. And Connor, he's not small, but he's not, he's, not a, he's not the same stature. Now, Connor, it was a very heavy hit. And it was really conspicuous in the games over the weekend because there's so much of football now is around not bringing the ball into the tackle and not bringing it into contests. So look, he nailed him. There's no doubt about that. Um, Connor was shook. There was no question about it. And I was surprised to see him come back on. I, I, I think we all were. The only thing I can say is you have to put your faith in the people that have his best interests at heart. He's a very determined young man. He's, he's a tough bit of the tough bit of stuff. I was surprised, but like you, you got to put your faith in the physio and the medical people there. And Pal have good people there. So I, I, I'm, I was surprised to see him come back in. But he played fine when he came back on. And you have to really acquiesce to the people that are there saying, listen, we checked him. We're confident he's okay. But the only thing I will say is, if there's a nuclear holocaust going by that now, I think Conor Doherty will survive it. Like, I mean, he's, he is hard as nails now going, getting up and carrying on after that, you know? Yeah, and that's, you know, and this is only of games that, we'll say, us as a platform maybe have, have been at and covered the weekend, but... I saw John Michael hitting Jamie Ansborough. I don't know how he got up straight away. Paddy Mack getting back up. I know you're talking about Conor Doherty mm. getting back up and coming back on. We have we have tough buckos out there. Um, but we want to make sure, obviously, that they're, they're all oh, yeah. stuff too, I suppose. But um, I'll, I'll switch it across then to Sunday, and that brings us to another doubleheader. First one is an intermediate between Balleran and Calavan and Now, Mick, 
we don't know if Lord Trump was here now too much, but I discovered up to this point that we had nine games out of nine called correctly in the first three grades. Of Mystic, Mystic Meg. Yeah. Yeah. And then I was trying to just heighten this now a little bit and twist in the knife. And it was 12 consecutive, if you include a junior, intermediate, and senior hurling finals, one of which two to one outsider. Now, mm. unfortunately, there's no odds and there was no tenor put down on that, but I, I, I'd be confident enough that we might get a week in Lanzarote or something out of it if that had it came off. And it also probably means that the first line next week will be completely wrong. But anyway, um, Ballerbrana <laughs> and Calabantlany Gaul was the fixture. Um, I, To be honest with you, I didn't see Ballerbrana win the beforehand simply because of the personnel that, they, that they've lost. Mm. And yes, Calabantlany Gaul would have done a lot of drinking, but there was, you know, the rising tide lifts all boats. You had a week there to, to sort that out. And it, it, what I had forgotten, actually, was how much quality the Ballerbrana actually still do have. Yeah. Even though they've lost so much good players. And that must have came to the fore, I guess. Yeah, no, I, I, I'll be honest with you. I didn't see that game. That game was just finishing as I was coming in because okay. I was actually at, I was at the intermediate uh, Kilbride Aero game. Sorry, that's Kilbride right. Yeah, yeah, earlier yeah, in the day. Yeah, yeah. But... I was following it on Twitter. I was following the scores. I think Ballerbrana got a very good start. I think, I think maybe, I think Liam McGill might have scored early for Kildavan. But I think Ballerbrana took over and I think they had two goals before half time. And that kind of two goals advantage means if you're tagging on a few points, you can keep them at arm's length. Mm. It also means that you're able to be fairly defensive. You can be, you can be cautious and just hit on the break. The players that they're missing, I, I agree with you on that. That um, like uh, was it Darren Lunny scored a penalty for Rahini on the weekend in Dublin. Like Correct, he's obviously yeah. operating at a high level up there. Uh, is it Ben Dorgan has gone to Grey Cullen, and and they're going well. They had a win against Strabelli in the weekend. Um, having said that, like obviously Ben Lebron are, are 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 in a good place. Uh, Damien McMahon is out there and uh, and training. Obviously the the spirit is good and the result is good. You're back to the thing of the intermediate championship, though. Um, who's next then for Van Lebrana? Van Lebrana have well, Kildare Tony Gall are playing Kilbride, so they have Airog. Uh, correct. Yeah, and that's I. I think that's going to give maybe a better reflection. I think I think you're probably going to have a little bit more scoring threat with Airog, right? Even though they weren't prolific on Sunday afternoon there, but I think that's probably going to give us a better indication of where Van Lebrana are at, really. Yeah, with, with Kildavan, uh, what did the score overall? 11 points, yeah, I think. Four, yeah, 10 or 11, I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah I think yeah. so. And and like they, they weren't able to get a goal at any stage. It was actually a couple of goals that they got last year against St. Patrick's in the quarterfinal that was really crucial. Um, they kind of did, their, they, I, I, from what I can gather, I think Van Lebrana did to Kildavan this game just gone, what Kildavan did to Tullow last year. Couple of goals in the first half gives you a platform, gives you confidence. Uh, I wouldn't rule out those teams meeting again. You could easily get a different a different result. Mm -hmm. I think I've used the term poor return, and actually to retract that because it's not really a case where it's a poor return. Twelve scores have won a lot of the games actually across the weekend. It was something slight tangent for a minute. You know, we're often be critical with the amount of times teams score in Carlo at senior level in particular. And I was just looking at across the across the border there when you had Nace two ten, Sarsfield is ten, the very same score with Bidenus down and Fenna and two ten, you know, ten to twelve times seems to have won a lot of games across the weekend. And you've Kildavin scoring whatever it was, and I must check it now just to be, you know, right on the money with it. I think I it's eleven. Service, I, 
I think I think it's eleven. I, I I think I think they got the majority of their scores in the second half. Again, you might be able to check that there. Two ten. It was two ten to nine actually. Nine. nine right. Was. Yeah. 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 But like nine points got a draw in the in the senior game, which we <laughs> absolutely, absolutely, you know, which you might come on to. But I I I won't be of the belief that you know some people say hit the tally of sixteen points. There was a kind of an unwritten thing of trying to score 15 or 16 times that you would win most of your games. Is it a yeah, there's Again, we, we've tried all sorts of ways of looking at it. You can go by quarters. It used to be the thing that in COVID times you're having water breaks and things like this, that you'd say you break the games into quarters, you know, and see, listen, could we try and score three or four times per quarter? and, it, and or, or at least. And if you're doing that, like sure, you're in business. It's also things like it's teams are going and scoring bursts, like whereby it might look like there's a great score, but they might have got the vast majority of it in one half, and then actually score very little in another. If you have to drill down into it and and see what's happening, um, for all the people saying that the Aero Golotlin game, for instance, like three eight two eight, it was it was actually fairly open, and the reason that you got goals, so many goals, was because it was quite open at times. Um, I don't know. Every game will take on a life of its own. If you're scoring two ten, like like Bagnellstown did, and Banlebrana did, like I mean that's sixteen points. That's very healthy. Like isn't that the equivalent of, of scoring eight points per half? If you can score eight points, if you can score eight times per half, you're you're keeping the scoreboard ticking over. You know, you're going to be in the mix. Yeah. yeah. Mm. So, uh, and as it transpires, actually, not a bad segue. A team that scores six times, one. The intermediate game that we spoke about, I actually had forgotten that you'd been over it. That is, you covered, you covered some ground away again by. But I was doing my homework. One, yeah, one, one five, one five arrow, three points. Kilbride. Now Kilbride didn't score from play in the whole game. No, um, wasn't exactly a classic, I would say. No, it's not. But again, like I, I certainly wouldn't want to come on a podcast to start poo pooing either of those teams. Like, and um, I, I think that I think both of them are are capable of improving from there. It was a classic thing of. A rogue with youth and pace and 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 kind of you know uh, lots of nippy guys up against the more seasoned, physical, little bit older uh, Kilbride guys generally. And like, okay, people will point to the fact that Kilbride didn't score from play. Uh, like it, they were under pressure a lot because they they were retreating back a bit. A rogue were going coast to coast. We'll call it. We're going from one sideline to the other with possession, just trying to find an opening. And they were very patient. A rogue, where I have to say, A rogue probably only scored one one from play. I think as well. You know what I mean? I think uh, I think Lou Graham's bottom might have got three or four from freeze. What I also would say is that um, Daryl Foley kicked one free, and it could still be travelling there. I mean, he kicked it from the middle of the field in Tinner Island. He was nearly heading for for Kilbride itself with it. It was a brilliant score. Lou Graham's bottom put over a free with his left from a very acute angle, and like, it was just a really super kick. But it's just an arm wrestler. It was it was one five to three points, which tells its own story. Scores at a premium, but it was a fairly comfortable one five to three point win for Airog. You know, mm-hmm. the, the other thing about Airog, Airog are kind of unique. Well, they are unique in the intermediate championship. Is that it isn't their first team, and who's to say that they aren't going to lose a player to senior yet? Like it is possible. Um, uh, I, if Mark Bean hadn't played for the seniors, he could have easily he would have been playing for Aerog on the um, on the Sunday, and he he's like again he'd be a very formidable player at at intermediate level. 
So a road are unusual in that regard. If they were to lose one or two more to senior, it could have a big impact, you know? Yeah, no, for sure. It, it definitely definitely shouldn't go on stated. And every year it is uh, it is a factor in how they progress in that in that mm. grade, I believe. But um yeah, I'll just touch a bit on the, the junior A stuff first. Lachlan Bridge, late free there, nudged them over to Nyland, twelve points to one eight. Fighting cocks are intriguing me with just just in terms of who's who's over them. Like um mm. I think they'll they'll max out given that you've got two good guys there. You've got Morris Brown and Tony Bulger. Now Tony Bulger is a serious operator. I, I wouldn't mess with him. You know, the, the chest is out, the arms are down, he won't take any shit. And I Boris think, has a good personal touch of people, you know. Yeah, I a good record. Oh, I got hundred percent, yeah. Uh Tony and Morris are kind of like bad cop, worst cop. I I I am not gonna say who's who, right? <laughs> but um, no, but they are and 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 they've they've worked well together previously with uh, county under twenties and things like that. But they are very good. I mean, you'll go a long way in the country, I think, to find more capable guys um, and a management team at junior level. Um, I think the other thing that's noteworthy about it as well, you had Sean O'Brien playing full forward. And unless I'm wrong, I think he scored four or five points, right? So you might have it in your head, which I would, that his physical presence, his strength, his, his that, that kind of thing, right? If you're chipping in with four or five points, you're, you're, you're in business. And I think Mark Carpenter was togged out for O'Hanrahan's, I think, right? And again, you describe him like a pair of Levi's. What they say, quality never goes out of style, right? Mm-hmm. But um, I, I, I don't know. I, like the, I, I'm not sure who, who the Blues have next. Who, who they got next? Like the Blues will be needing a win next in that group have, now. The Blues have Tin Ryland because Lachlan Bridge have the Cox there. Thursday. Right. And I'll go through. I'll actually go through the full run now in a moment. But I get. Yeah, I get where you're coming from with this. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think I do. Go on. Well, it's just it, it can start to get away from you. Like I mean, because you've lost the first game, which is what you mentioned at the very top of the podcast. You have to hit the ground running. So if you're if you've lost your first one. You lose one more now, you're really in in uh, in bother. So, um, by the way, Lachlan Bridge now, who I know you'll you'll know very well, know inside out. So they have two or three guys there with inter county experience and and uh, been on the county panels last couple of years. Um, they almost shocked Clonmore last year, and there they are, only getting over Tinroyd and second team. Mm-hmm. So all of these things, like they are competitive, and I know people sometimes look at the, maybe the. The quality of it, or they'll go as uh, the football is, is not a great watch sometimes. It's very competitive stuff, like it's compelling when you're there in the middle of it and you're getting these close games, you know. Yeah, and the other thing that I think because it goes back to maybe it goes back to the lack of scores occasionally is the lack of credit that defenders actually get within Carroll. I mean, yes, there is occasions where the quality in general through error is, is not where maybe you'd like it to be, but. There's we have had serious defenders for a long, long time, and I believe mm. that we do them a disservice whenever we say about X, Y, Z. Asher is only a certain amount of scores. Well, no, actually, there's just some pretty good tacklers out there. There's good man markers, and it's not just all about blocking things up with every team either. You know, the skill of defending is something that a lot of coaches have tried to paper over by getting bodies back, as we know in the modern game. But there's some guys like I go back to that chap Lee McDonnelly, the hands in, hands out. It's such an underrated and undervalued skill in the game we talk about the greatest footballers of all time most of the time we're talking about forwards mm. uh, but we've had some exceptional defenders that have just played you um not not in a dirty way but just literally played you by the game by the book and being better because their skill set is better you know yeah. I often feel that that happens sometimes 
No, I, I'd agree with that. Um, a, a, a defender is walking a, a tightrope sometimes there too in terms of fouling close to goal. Um, um, they, 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 yeah, spade the nine space. As often, like if you're up against a quicker guy, you've got to be clever and say, listen, if I can't beat him for space, it's got to be anticipation. It's got to be... There was two very good examples of that. I felt in the, uh, the Mount Leinster Rangers 10 Ryland game, which I know you want to come to. Yeah, but, go on to it anyway. Yeah. Oh, well, well, well in, yeah. in that game, you have someone like Richard Cody, right? Now, Richard Cody has been around forever, and I'm not trying to retire him or anything like that. I've, I'm a huge Richard Cody fan, like, right? But he'd be the first to tell you he's, he's not physically where he was four, five, six years ago, right? But again, he, he played it really clever, was on a lot of ball for Rangers and was able to come up the field and actually pick passes and so on. But it didn't always really showed a, a lot of composure. And on the other side, again, if we're going to stay with the defenders team, um, is the um, Jonah Dunn. Like, I thought Jonah Dunn now really had a very good game for Tin Ryland. Very solid. He was up against Eddie Byrne at times. He was up against Chris Nolan at times. Because there was there was a lot of movement. It was not necessarily one guy for one man. There was lots of movement in it. But he was really solid and came up and kicked a really good second half score as well when scores were hard to get. So Jonah Dunn really impressed me on the weekend now. And what when when you're when, when Tin Ryland are looking at uh, who's coming next, it's it's Bagnestown next for them. Is that correct? Correct. On Friday night, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, like, uh, they're looking at Bagelstown. Jonah Dunn, I don't know, will he be earmarked to go on to something like a Jamie Clark if he's back, a Robbie Kane maybe, um, a Paddy McDonald? I don't know, but he, I, I thought he had a really good game now on the weekend, Jonah Dunn, and Richard Cody. Yeah, the one lad that wouldn't want to take the right off is Danny Doyle. He was Ash, of course, yeah. Yeah, he was, he was superb the night too in the absence of, of Jamie Clark. I mean, they kind of... The, the former structure at times interested me because obviously when you get 12, 13 behind the ball, you're looking at a situation where maybe you've got a lad on the, you know, between the 65 and 45 and another guy maybe on the edge of the square and they break out to the side. But with the three mm. bodies, I don't know what, like, Danny Dyle was, um, what do you call it, in line with the guy, we'll say, on the 65 or in between the 65 and 45, but he's out on the sideline. Now, that actually intrigued me and interested me and I was trying to figure out what is the, what's the substance within that. But, you know, it's it's um it's a serious uh, trio they had left up there. Like you've got Danny Dial, Robbie Kane, and Keane Dial. Yeah. You know. Look, um, yeah, that like they have a lot there. Again, I didn't mean to you know, needed lots of good players. But yeah. it, it's it's just what you mentioned there. Sure, it's 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 giving you a decision to make as a defender or as a as an opposition. If he's drifting out into that position, do you say right? I'll go follow him, and therefore, if he gets possession. He can burn me, and I, I'm running back towards my own goal. If obviously, if you don't follow him, if you don't commit a man to go out there to him and, and shut him down, sure he's in space. Do you know? So I, I would like. I mean, from my perspective, even though I didn't see that particular game, you have to be given the opposition questions to answer, puzzles to solve. You can't just set it up and listen. I'm going to be here and try and mark me. So someone like him, guys with pace, guys with physicality, if you can get them into space. You go follow them, it means they have a path back to goal, they have a route off the sideline. If you don't go follow them, you're leaving them free, able to take possession a bit cheaply. So it's it's a, it's, it's a constant chess match, you know. Mm -hmm. Right, so let's go straight to the most bizarre talking point of the weekend, which was Carl Gaffney's own point. Um, um, I, there's, there's clips of this in circulation as well. Um, 
yeah, it looked to be honest, like I feel a bit sorry for him because you sure. can see what he was attempting to do, right? Yes. It's come off his instep from what I can see. He's trying to either punt it or go with the outside to switch the play yeah. over to the far side. It's lucky that it's not gone in the net, it's bounced over the bar. It's, what do you think at the time when this is unfolding in front of you? Astro was bizarre. Like I just could not believe it. And and it seemed to take an eternity to come to a stop. Because he was actually quite a bit away from the goal. He was much over uh, closer near the stand side. You can see what he's doing. He was going to drill a ball across the 20 metre line to the far side of the field. It's a classic thing as well, right, of a keeper makes a mistake. It sticks out like a sore thumb. Everybody's talking about it. Whereas someone does that further out the field, like it's just forgotten about. You know, I, I miscued a kick, big deal. So it was just one of those things, like, in actual fact, the only way that Tenryland could view it was that it was lucky it didn't go on the back of the net. Like, a point was actually not a bad result, because I was really, where I was looking at it, I said, this is going in the goal, do you know? But even though Tenryland scored immediately after it, uh, I think Mark Mullen making his full debut, like, um, he had a great game as well, by the way, Tom, Mark Mullen was excellent for Tenryland. He scored a brilliant point, which put, still put two in it, right? I think it was 9-7. But there's no doubt that own score, that own point, did seem to give a lift to Rangers. It just seemed to pick them up a little bit, even though Tinryland scored after it again. And it rattled Tinryland, I think. It was just a bizarre thing to happen. But a fella miscues out the field, or he miscues a ball at the far end, and it's not talked about. It's just just rotten old look for Carl Gaffney, you know? Yeah, and like... I'll say just a couple of things on that before we before we finish up. His kickouts are are pretty good by and large. In fairness to him, pretty good kickouts. And also, it's gas when people say let him have it; he doesn't want it. That man was at the heart of their defence two years ago out the field. Oh, the yeah. argument is redundant. It's it's faking Godzilla stuff, like yeah, I, I, I totally. And and I tell you, because they won the game, it's not being spoken about. Um, Johnny Fury came out and joined into the play, and like Johnny's a very capable footballer. Full stop. Um, he played all his underage football out the field. So Johnny Fury came out and was out pushing out, involved in the play. And I think for one of them, like there was a turnover there, not necessarily on Johnny, but he was out of position, and it just created a bit of panic. These things, if that had happened in the first five minutes, you mightn't even be talking about it. It was the timing of it. It was the weirdness of it. Like, it's the weirdest own point I've ever seen. A fella called Carl Smith from Mead scored an own point in a trench cup final I was playing in many, many years ago, right? He fisted it over his own bar. Like, so you can sort of understand it. Like, as in, he just, he just gave a hand pass too much juice and it goes over the bar. It was just so weird, the, the Carl Gaffney one, because... Like it, it was a long way out. Like I mean, it, it, and and it and it bounced over. Like it was just slow motion stuff, you know. But mm. look, if Tenryland go on and get a win the next day, or go on and win the championship, it'll it'll be just an interesting kind of a a bit of a kind of pub quiz question or something, you know. Mm. So it begs the question, Mick. How does how does a team with virtually no football done go out and get a result? I'll be the draw. It's still a result. A result that many people wouldn't have felt was. I'm not going to say possible, but unlikely, given the fact that they had very little football played. How does that actually happen where the opposition have concentrated solely on this day for so long, all the eggs in the basket, full focus, and a team comes with nothing done and gets the result? Is there a simple answer to this? Uh, I don't know if there's a simple answer, but I'm not trying to be wise after the event. I, honest to God, uh, anticipated a really tough challenge for Tim Ryland. Like, okay, I'll, I'll take what you're after saying there and flip it around a bit. Um, maybe the best preparation to win a championship is to have won one already, isn't it? 
I mean, they have won, they have won a championship, right? Mm. And and produced a, a final performance, you know, to 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 really uh, hammer it home against St Mullins, right? They also have good players. Like I mean, Chris Nolan wasn't he wasn't vintage on um, Sunday. He's a good footballer. Richard Cody, good footballer. Um, Kevin McDonald, very good footballer, right? If Kevin McDonald wasn't such a kind of a hurling focus, exclusive guy, he has all the physical attributes. He has the game sense and everything to be. Um, outstanding footballer um, plus it's just the Rangers factor I mean when did you ever get when did you ever see a Rangers team when's the last time you say oh, they weren't pushed or those lads weren't up for it or that's that's just a, a culture and a mentality with them you know um, so I, I, I don't know I wouldn't get into that as regards not having much football done Tin Ryland only scored nine points right so I mean we're, we're back to the thing of if you've only scored nine points you are liable I mean all Rangers had to score to get a result on the day was nine points. And I haven't even mentioned Fieker Fitzpatrick. Like, he, he put over a free in the first half. You know, he, he had to win behind him. And I saw him talking to Brian. I don't know who he was modest enough. He played it down. A really brilliant kick. The 45 he took near the end. Uh, I know it was a little bit of luck on it that it skimmed over the bar in the end. But that was into a gale, uh, a, a strong breeze. And like, he, he, he really connected with that well to get it that far. So like you know, I, I don't know I, I I think that narrative of maybe a team that has been focusing on hurling, it, it, that's true. I accept that. I hear that. But if they're able to keep low-scoring games, if they're able to keep it relatively tight, they're going to be a real threat. I think Rangers still, and they also have the impetus. Like if you're down going to to train and down in Boris there, they're preparing for the Kilkenny Senior Champions. Like they're going to be training with an intensity in terms of physicality and in terms of driving each other on. That's going to be as 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 hot as what Airog are doing or Pal or Philly, you know. Yeah, it's definitely advantageous. Um, before I come to one of the the latter few questions that I have, and thanks again for for giving up your time, I really do appreciate it. Right, no problem. The other two junior results: Ballin big winners over O'Loughlin, and um, Palatine big winners over Saint Mullins. Now I went with Saint Mullins in that one. Um, wise enough choice, of course, but Pal absolutely. Brutalized them. I did put a caveat in there. I didn't know who Pal had available to them, but look, yeah. we'll take it. We'll take our bet. We got nine out of twelve right, Mick. That's seventy-five percent return. Anyone's we'll language. Take that. I might. We might. We might retire on it. The same way. Do you know what? If I was Liam Gavin, I'd only retire now as well after scoring two seven in my debut, and uh-huh. I'd live off it for the rest of my life. But, I, I hope. I hope he's not thinking like that. If he can score two seven, he can go do it again. You know. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Of course. Tongue. Tongue and cheek stuff. Now, I have to talk about the elephant in the room in relation to this weekend and that is electric picnic and we have a full round of fixtures so we fixtures thursday friday well thursday probably wouldn't affect the money on you we fixtures thursday friday saturday and sunday and it's a big topic right it's a massive topic so how well framed the question is i'm not going to talk about we'll say how would it would affect you directly because i know maybe it's not a place that you would uh, find yourself at this coming weekend but if you were to be over a team this year mate right what yeah. way would you be feeling about this as um as a manager um a few months ago where you don't know if it's on or not but now that it is on what instruction are you giving to your players i suppose it's dependent on what night your game is for a start my take before i get you to come in on your answer is we've put ourselves in the position where we can be criticized for having games on this weekend and that might be something to consider but we are where we are hence my questions so i'll bring you in 
Um, I, I certainly it's it wouldn't be my form to say or lay down law to lads. You can't do this or you can't do that, right? I'd I'd you'd ask them to prioritise. Um, it's something I'm on record on is that you would try and show consistency to players that you wouldn't chop and change training too much. You'd like them to have a life away from the football field, and that's not to be all too benign or kind about it. That's kind of saying, look, I I've offered you consistency. I've tried to be fair with you. I don't want to hear any excuses about not being there then, right? That's the original preface and all of that. As regards the electric picnic, I suppose it is something that this age cohort are really interested in. We've mentioned all the young players that we've uh, so far today, exciting young talents, and they want to have a social life and everything as well. I suppose it's 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 avoiding the conflict in the first place is probably the way to go about it. Like, I mean, now that there's conflict, if, if, if there is, I'm, again, I'm not across it all that much, it's a pity. You'd like lads to be able to have their social life and to have their sport and to have it all. Um, I, I, I don't know. I would say like I would say in Aerog, I don't think there'll be too many Aerog lads looking to go to Electric Picnic because they have the bit between their teeth this year after last year. I'd say it's something similar for Kenryland. Maybe maybe it's not going to be as big an issue for someone like St. Patrick's because A, they have a really good win on the board. And maybe maybe it won't be as big a clash with their game. Is their game on a, a Friday or a Sunday now? Friday. Yeah. So Friday. so therefore therefore certainly what I'd be saying in that situation is, look, Friday all week your focus is on on uh, the next game. Let, let's let's get a win there against Grange if you can, and sure then enjoy the weekend and we'll and we'll we'll we'll, we'll see it. We'll see you on Tuesday or Wednesday whenever it is. I, it's a pity if it could be avoided. I think is the main thing. You you, you don't want conflict if you can, you know. But I, listen, each each of these clubs will have their own context. They'll have their own things to lay down. I suppose it isn't a great thing if 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 management are trying to dictate to players or players feel uh, I'm not being given flexibility here. Or I don't know. It's tricky stuff. It's tricky yeah, stuff. It def- look, it definitely is. And I, I was. You know, I was looking at when the first round of Leinster is, I think, the weekend of 21st of October. So if, for argument's sake... There is the flexibility weekend, there, you're saying. Yeah, if the, if the gap weekend was to be this weekend, then you would have a two-week gap before that fixture. And that's just a senior one. I haven't gone to intermediate and junior, which is uh, which is something I'll hold my hand up and, and look at. And then that mm. possibly could be a week. If it was, say, a week earlier for junior and intermediate, I get where people might say, well, a week is a bit of a quick turnover. Having said that, I've seen Port Leash play games two days in a row, win a county final on a Saturday, win the first round Leinster the next day. Arsenal Cruz did it the same. Not something I'd encourage, and I'm not saying that I would be in favour of that happening, but if there's a week there, let's give the guys the opportunity. I would say, if you look at Harlem finals weekend, in terms of guys that are somewhat, well, it's maybe disingenuous to say somewhat serious, but have a bit of a focus on the big ball game as well, you're looking at probably three clubs um, that are effective and are effective maybe in the sense that they could be playing again the following week, whereas everyone else has had at least a two-week gap, if not three weeks, if they haven't made it to the semi-finals of their Hurling Championship. So, look, I mean, it's not something I want to go mad into, but it's something that a lot of people are talking about around the county, and if I don't talk about it, I'll get my arse kicked. Oh, well. I, That's what we're here for. So I, I, I know that yeah. I can... I, look, as I said to you, I, I haven't been able to offer you any great insight on that, right? But I, the one thing I could say to you maybe is, I remember a couple of years ago, uh, down with a Kilkenny club, doing a bit of work with one of the Kilkenny clubs there, and 
I remember there being not an inquest, but there was a concern that are these lads focused and ready for championship because we're thinking of going to the electric picnic two weeks away from a championship match, right? And it, it, it's just to say to you, like, they were that serious about what they were doing there. They felt that this going on a fortnight before a championship match was maybe lads a sign of lads losing focus and that kind of thing. Whereas what we're discussing is lads going in the middle of a championship. I don't know. I don't think there's a blanket answer or rule on it. If you could avoid the clash and therefore people have a choice to, to socialise at, at things or attend festivals and things, it's great. I suppose it's, if there's a clash now, there's nothing you can do about it from this year except maybe possibly learn for it for next year's championship. It's a bit of a fudge, but I don't know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's the joys of it. Well, I tell you, instead of going into the fixtures or whatever this weekend, look for predictions and stuff, I'm actually going to do a little piece on it and I'll put up on the website um, in terms of Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And um, we, yeah, we'll probably put predictions on it as well just to, just to see, can we can we get back on the horse again and, and, and start saying something right? But Mick, really appreciate your time. We'll chat again, of course, over the duration of the championship and the best look at everyone. I know you're busy. You're involved with a lot of teams. I don't know how you do it. Um, glutton for punishment probably is one way of putting it but I appreciate you giving up your time here today and thanks a million for coming on alright cheers Kevin the good work the left wing backs coverage of the Carlo Football Championships is brought to you in association with Talba Fitness Carlo Connolly's Top Line Bagnestown Scats Bouncing Castles J&J Services Tullow Seamus Bourne Electrical your number one for pitch floodlighting installation Milano's Takeaway Bagnestown PFT Travel the Arboretum Garden Centre Ray Whelan Limited Art Spas and Carlo Electrical Services.